Praise be to God. We are grateful that once again we can come before the Lord our God this day. We have for our theme the family of God prevailing or against contrary winds prevailing. To prevail means to overcome. To prevail means to win against. Okay? And when we talk about contrary winds, we're talking about the problems that come to our lives. With God, we can always prevail. Amen? And uh, we've heard the different teachings, for uh, the different readings today. Jonah talked about being able to praise God while he was in the belly of the whale. He did not wait until he was delivered before he praised God. The Word of God tells us it is with the voice of thanksgiving. The sac uh, it is the sacrifice with the voice of thanksgiving that he started praising God, thanking God before he was delivered, while he was still in the belly of the whale. Amen? And then Romans chapter 10 talks about the basics of the faith, okay? That uh, with the heart, we what? Believe. And with the mouth, we what? We confess. There must be a, uh, what do you call it? There must be a cooperation with the heart and with the mouth, okay? Like when we declare the creed, we, we, we don't just say it with the mouth while our heart is thinking of something else, or we, we just don't think about it in our hearts and not say anything, okay? So we need to be able to coordinate the two. Scripture very clearly says the word of faith must be found in two places, in the heart and in the mouth. Amen? And today, basically, our message for today is this. Faith in God will allow you to soar above the storms of life. Faith in God will allow you to soar above the storms of life. Okay? Faith in God will allow you to soar above the storms of life. Now, how many of you know what an eagle is? Okay? You can find out what an eagle is for those of you who didn't raise your hands. Of all the birds that the Lord has created, the eagle is different. When the wind is, when the storm is blowing, when the wind is contrary, it doesn't hide from the wind. According to some of the facts I've researched uh, uh, through Google, all right, it says during a storm, the eagle faces the storm or the contrary winds. The wind is going this way, it doesn't run away, it doesn't hide, but it faces against the wind, it sets its wings, and then the it uses the wind blowing against it to go higher and higher. Instead of allowing the contrary winds to push it back, the eagle allows the contrary winds to make it soar higher and higher than ever before. Understand what I'm saying? And basically, the same analogy uh, is given to us that if we are going to, uh, you know, when, when pr the problems of life come against us, our tendency is to hide. Our tendency is to run away. Our tendency is to uh, bury our, our heads under the ground and pretend nothing is going on. Okay? Our, our tendency is to wish this thing is not happening to us. Okay, but we need to understand that when the problems of life come, you can either let the problems of life crush you 
or you can let the problems of life lift you higher up. You can allow the problems of life to discourage you or you could use the problems of life to make you stronger. Amen? Now, some people use weights in order to keep fit. If you put your weight, if you put the weights on your chest and don't do anything about it, you know, you're lying down and the weights are just there, then the weights will crush you. You won't be able to breathe, right? But if you take the weights and you start pushing against the weights, well, it's going to build your chest muscle and other muscles. It's going to make you stronger. So basically, God is showing us that He is Lord of all. Yes, the problems of life will come. Yes, the storms of life, they're going to blow. One day, we will be in heaven. We will not have any other problem. In heaven, there will be no enemy. Everything will be perfect. No sickness, no lack, no complications, no jealousy, no envy, no greed. Everything will be perfect in heaven. But we're not there yet. Right? We learn to overcome while we're here. We learn how to rule and to reign over circumstances while we're here. Why? Because one day when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back again, He's going to appoint you areas, territories in the creation of God where you will rule over. You understand what I'm saying? That's what the Holy Scripture says, okay? We rule and reign in life as kings through Jesus Christ. We're not just here passing by, okay? We are here learning the Lordship of Jesus in our lives. And as we give of ourselves completely to God, well, we begin to rule, we, we begin to learn how to rule and reign so that one day when He comes back again, we will rule and reign together with him in the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth. But how do we rule and reign over circumstances today? How do we use problems for our benefit? It is by faith in God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Faith is the victory according to St. John. And as we come to our uh, scriptures today, our gospel today, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 to 33, there are two things I would like to share with you. The first one, I'm basing this uh, on, uh, on ver verse, verses 22 to 27. The first principle I'd like for you to see is this. Trust that the Lord is with you in the middle of the storm. Trust that the Lord is with you in the middle of the storm. Okay? The second principle I'd like to share with you, I'm basing this on verses 28 to 33. Look and keep looking at the Lord even when the storm grows stronger. Look and keep looking at the Lord even when the storm grows stronger. Amen? Or we could say this way, even when the problems become more complicated. Alright? Now let's go back to our first thought. Trust that the Lord is with you in the middle of the storm. Let me just read 
uh, the first few verses here, verse 22-24. It says here, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and, and go before him uh, uh, to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And take note, he sent the multitudes away, he went to the mountainside. Why? Because he wanted to pray. One of the things we need to learn as believers is that we need to establish a relationship with our Father. Okay? Tell your neighbor, the Father wants to stay in your presence. Okay? We've heard teaching before that we should want to stay in the Father's presence. It really helps when we begin to understand to the, before God our Father, we are not a disruption. We are not an irritation. We are not an annoyance. The Father loves to be with us. Jesus, the Son of God, loves to be with us. We are His bride. You understand? The Holy Spirit loves to be with us. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ says that when He goes to and He did, he has sent the Holy Spirit to stay with us on the earth. He's never lost his patience with us. You understand what I'm saying? God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, the Holy Trinity loves, they love it when we spend time with them. And that should help us when we spend time with God. Because we need to develop a relationship with God. After all, when we made Jesus Christ the Lord of our life, we became adopted sons and daughters of God our Father. That's why we have the Father's Prayer. In the early days, during the early days of Christianity, before uh, they, they, they led the people into the prayer of acceptance. And during that time, the prayer of acceptance, the prayer of receiving the Lord Jesus Christ was in the creed. Okay, they would recite the Apostles' Creed. That's when you enter into the kingdom of God. But before they did that, they had catechism, or they taught them about the basics of the faith, okay? And after they taught them the basics of the faith, then they would teach them the Our Father. And some of the, uh, uh, the, the, the seekers were getting so impatient, they were saying, why don't you teach us the Our Father first before the other parts of the catechism? And, and some of the teachers would say, well, if you don't know about God, how would you know to whom you're praying to? How do you know what to ask Him? How do you know what to ex expect from Him if you don't know about Him? Now, in the past, many people have said, well, you know what? God is mysterious. Yes, He is. You understand what I'm saying? But when you talk about God being a mystery, it doesn't mean you cannot know anything. That's what people thought. Uh, that's what other people explain to me. Why bother reading the Bible? Why bother taking notes, taking seminars concerning Bible teaching? I mean, God is such a mystery, we can't understand anything about Him. That's not true. The Bible says, God says Himself, Be still and know that I am God. And in the prophet Jeremiah's book, he says, don't let the rich man boast in his riches. Don't let the strong man boast in their strength. Okay? If you're going to boast, boast in this one thing, 
that you know me. Okay? It is possible to know God our Father, to know Him personally through Jesus Christ. Okay? But we need to spend time meditating in the Word of God. We need to spend time praying to God so that this relationship can be developed. This is, fellowship with God is the atmosphere where our faith begins to grow. Do you understand what I'm saying? When we know God, we know Him better than the problems of life. We will not be discouraged. We will not be disheartened. Amen? And here Jesus Christ just finished uh, ministering to the people. There was a great miracle that took place. But it says here, He sent the multitudes away. Not because He hates people. Jesus Christ loves people. But He needed to spend time with God. And he went to the mountain and prayed to the Father. There must be your alone time, your quiet time with God. Oh, by the way, when eagles nest, they make their nest on mountaintops. Like I said the last time, mountains represent meeting places with God. If we are going to become eagle Christians, then we need to spend time with our Father. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, so we find here Jesus Christ uh, sending the multitudes away because he wanted to spend time with God while he was there. It says here that, and when he had the multi, when he had sent the multitudes away, verse twenty-three, he went out on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, around six o'clock p.m., he was alone there, uh, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. So he was up the mountain. And his disciples were uh, there in the middle of the lake. And suddenly there was a storm. It was evening. It was dark. Uh, they didn't have torch lights like we have today. They didn't have high-powered flashlights, high-powered torches like we have today. They didn't have some of the modern equipment that we have today. Okay? It was dark. It was raining. There was thunder. There was lightning. It was not calm. And this was a very scary thing for the people then. It, uh, that, that was the situation. It just suddenly rose up. Now, you know, we need to understand that sometimes those things can happen to us. Contrary winds, we can equate that with the problems of life. An unexpected uh, a situation. Just this week, I received word from my sister, please pray for me. My blood pressure just went up. And I'm having vertigo, and then I'm worried about this. Then my helper suddenly abandoned me, and I have to do all these things. And you know, please pray for me because I'm trying to get it down. It won't go down. Suddenly things just flare up. Okay? Now, Jesus Christ says we should not be afraid when those things begin to happen. He said, In the world, you will have what? Tribulation, testings, and trials. He's informing us, He's not trying to scare us. In the world, you'll have those, okay? But he says, but be of good cheer or take courage. Because he said, I have overcome the world. The secrets of overcoming, I know them and I'm willing to give them to you. I'm willing to share them with you. That's the reason why during times of testing and trials and problems, those are not the, the, uh, those are not the occasions to run away from God. Those are the times that you run to God. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, there are some people who go through problems, 
and you don't find them in church and you, 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 and you find them somewhere and say, well, I just want to be alone right now. You really do not want to be alone when things are becoming complicated. You want to be with God. Amen? You want to be alone with God, but at the same time, uh, you don't run away from the things that the kingdom of God is doing on the earth. One of them is church, where we hear the word of God and where we receive nourishment from the table of the Lord. Amen? And so uh, this is what's happening there. There was storm, the winds was contrary. Then uh, it says here, verse 25, now in the fourth watch of the night, fourth watch that's about three o'clock in the morning up to about six o'clock in the early morning, it says here, in the, in the fourth watch of the night, uh, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out with fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer, or another way of saying, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Okay? Now, it says here, that while there was a storm, while the boat was being thrown to and fro, there was a danger that they would sink. I mean, all through the night, in the evening, he sent the disciples, probably 6 p.m. So from 6 p.m., 7, 8, 9, 10, midnight, 1, 2, 3. I don't know at what time the storm came. But if there's a storm, nobody really sleeps. Okay? Why? Because they have to join and help each other in making sure water is taken out of the boat. They have to bail out some water. Understand what I'm saying? What happens when you fill the boat with water? It becomes a submarine. No, it begins to sink, right? You don't want that to happen in the middle of a storm. Okay? Maybe Peter knows how to swim. I don't know about the other disciples. So can you imagine from 6 p.m. up to about 3 p.m., uh, 3 a.m. in the morning. That's what they're doing. Throwing water out. It's raining. Some of them were, uh, were probably dizzy. I don't know, some of them were probably uh, vomiting. I don't know. It doesn't really say, but I can imagine. It's a storm. And it's not, you know, you know when, 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 the when the waves are throwing the boat like this, and like that, and like this, you don't sing, row, row, row your boat. You understand? That's not the time to sing, right? You get worried. Right? And they're fighting. Then at about 3 a.m., they see Jesus walking on the water, and they cried out, it's a ghost. For many sailors, when they see a ghost in the water, it's bad omen. It means they're going to die. So they thought it was a ghost. And Jesus Christ says, Take courage or be of good cheer. Take courage. Take it. In other words, in the middle of problems, God is giving you strength. God is giving you courage. God is giving you the ability to overcome. Amen? And understand this. When problems come, and sometimes some of your friends go, the Lord comes to you. The presence of problems does not mean God's absence. 
His promise remained true and sure. I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. I will never forsake you. In the book of Isaiah, he says, even if your mother refuses to recognize you, even if your father abandons you, yet I will always be with you. That is the promise of God. Okay? In the middle of problems, in the middle of darkness, in the middle of things, when it seems like you are forsaken, understand this, you're not. God is there. It doesn't mean he's only there during the rough times. He's always there. Okay? Whether it's good times or bad. The problem is we really don't look for God during the good times because we don't have a need. But when we go through the rough times and there is a need there, we look for him, he's there. Look at this, it says he was on the water walking towards them, not running away from them, not hiding from them. He was going to them in the middle of the storm. Understand God is always with you and in that situation understand the Lord's word that he spoke to the apostles He is speaking to you. Take courage. Why? I'm here Okay, I'm here. Do not be afraid. Do not give in to fear But rather give in to faith and we, we go to our second thought right now The second thought is this look and keep looking my previous notes, I just says, look at the Lord when the storm grows stronger. I just added that. Look and keep looking. Because many of us look. No problem with that. Many of us look to God. But then when the storm becomes stronger, when the waves become more violent, when the situation becomes more complicated, there is a tendency to look away. Now, once you start looking at God, keep looking at God, okay? No matter how strong the storm grows. And how do you look at God? You, you look at God by looking at his promises. You look at God by looking at his word. Has his word changed? Has his promises been revised? No, they have not. So you just keep looking because the word of God has never changed, all right? So here, um, it says here in verse 28, it says here, uh, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus Christ said, come. Take note, he wanted a confirmation. Peter was asking for the impossible. As a fisherman, he knows water. He can swim in water, he can dive under the water, okay? He can wade through uh, shallow water, he can do a backflip on the water, he can try floating on the water, but he understands you cannot walk on water. You can walk on land, but you can walk on water. But he asks for the impossible. Lord, if it's you, command me to come. And Jesus Christ only said one word, come. Jesus Christ did not give him a paragraph. Jesus Christ did not give him a theological oration. Okay? He just said one word, one word. 
And according to the Holy Scriptures, Peter had come down out of the boat. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now we know eventually he, he started sinking. But I wanted you to see here, there was a time he was walking on the water. Imagine Peter walking out of the boat and he's now walking on the water. A very new experience for him. He's never experienced this before. He's walking on the water. He's looking at the Lord. The amazement. The wonder. I mean, how would we feel when we're in the middle of a miracle and we're participating in it? Okay? At one point in time, Jesus Christ was not the only one on the water. Peter was on the water. And take note what made it possible. Jesus Christ gave him the word. When he knew what the word of the Lord, that's what he's looking for. Lord, if it's you, tell me. Give me your word. Give me a promise. Give me a command, and then I'll do it. See, when we don't know what the word of God says, the enemy can successfully lie to us. Okay? The enemy will try to tell us. You keep sinning, and you keep confessing. God's tired of that. You think he's still listening to you? If you know the word of God, he is. Okay? You know, you pray for the sickness, it's not getting well. It's not getting better. As a matter of fact, it's getting worse. It's not the will of God for you to get healed. If you don't know the word of God, you'll agree to that and probably die. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? You need to know what the word of God says. Uh, was it St. Jerome or St. Augustine who said this? He said, uh, ignorance of the scriptures is ignorance of Christ. Okay? Ignorance of the scriptures is ignorance of Christ. Allowing your faith to guide your actions. Your faith is on the word of God. Allowing your faith to guide your actions is taking dominion over the problems. You're like an eagle. Okay? Setting its wings instead of the wind crushing you. The wind begins to lift you higher and higher. You become, you begin to soar over the problems of life. That's what eagle Christians do. This is the word of God. I'm setting my wings. I'm setting my faith on what God says. The storm gets stronger. I'm looking at the word, not looking at anything else. And he was walking on the water. Okay? It would have been good if he had gone to Jesus. And, you know, they, they meet and then they talk and both of them talking together, going to the boat as if nothing is happening. That would have been a good testimony. But that's not what happened, right? Because according to the Holy Scriptures, let me just read this. Are you learning from this? It says, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you in the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. He was going to Jesus, so naturally he was looking to Jesus, okay? Especially when you're driving a car, keep your eyes straight on the road. Why? Because when you're looking at something, especially in an emergency, you tend to go in that direction, okay? It says here, verse 30, but when he saw the wind, when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. Okay? 
He was walking on the water. He was doing the impossible while he was looking at Jesus. While he was thinking and focusing on the word, the commandment, and the promises of God. The storm had no power over him. Okay? While you have faith in God, the circumstances of life will not have any power or dominion over you. Okay? But then it says here, the wind was boisterous. It might have grown stronger. It was already strong to begin with. I don't know. But the scripture says when he saw the wind, when he started looking at the problems, when he started looking at the complications, when he started looking at the circumstances, when he started doubting in his heart, he became what? Afraid. You know what fear is? Fear is the opposite of faith. Faith is having confidence in God's ability to sustain you, God's ability to nourish you, God's ability to provide for you, God's ability to deliver you, God's ability to make you overcome. Fear is confidence in the enemy's ability to destroy you, in the enemy's ability to take away your possessions, in the enemy's ability to steal your calling, in the enemy's ability to kill you, in the enemy's ability to destroy you and reduce you to nothing. So fear is actually faith in what the enemy can do against you. You believe more that the enemy can destroy your family rather in believing that God can preserve and sustain your family. You believe more that the enemy can kill you with that sickness rather than the ability of God to heal you and restore you to healing and health in that sickness. You understand what I'm saying? See, fear is faith in reverse. Instead of having faith in God, you have faith in the wrong thing. Why? Because you're looking at the wrong thing. And that's what the enemy wants you to do. To look at the situation, not at God's promise. To look at the problem, not at God's word. Because if he can take your eyes off Jesus, and put your eyes on the problems. He knows that's the crack in your armor that he's looking for. That will allow his power to seep into the cracks, come into your life, eventually take dominion over your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what happened here with Peter. It says here, he became afraid, okay? And when he became afraid, he was afraid and beginning to sink. So there was a point he was walking on the water and he began to become afraid. And then he noticed he was slowly sinking into the water. First, it's up to his ankles. Now it's up to his shin. It's not sustaining him anymore. Why isn't working for him anymore? The power of God's still working. Jesus Christ is still standing on the water. Why is the power of God not working for him anymore? Okay? Because he stopped looking at Jesus. He stopped thinking about the word. He started worrying about the situation. He started worrying about the problems. He started worrying about how bad it can get. Instead of focusing on what God can do. 
He was focusing on what the problems can do to destroy him. And because he was afraid, even though the power of God was there, it was not able to hold him like before. The power of God can only be received and operated on by faith in God. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? That's why scripture says, faith must be in two places. In the heart and in the mouth. That's the reason why we listen to the word of God over and over. That's why we meditate on the word of God over and over. That's why we read it over and over. And as we continue to do that, we also say the word of God over and over. In the middle of the situation, when the problems begin to become stronger, instead of seeing an instant result, instead of seeing things become better, instead of saying, I'm failing, it doesn't seem to be working. That's not what you say. You say, my God is greater. My God is stronger. And no matter what happens, I'm going to trust him. I will overcome. Amen. You have to say, that's what the scripture says. It must be in two places, in your heart, in your mouth. Don't say what the enemy is saying. It's not worth, oh God, it's not worth. You understand what I'm saying? Hello? Okay? So that's what he said. And then he cried, Lord, save me. What did the Lord say to him? Well, Peter, you started, you started fearing. Sorry, I'll just see you in heaven. Have a nice day. Now, that's not what the Lord did. Understand this, when you try believing God, when you start believing God, don't be afraid of failing because the mercy of God is always there. He started sinking and said, Lord, save me. And the Lord came to him and saved him. And it says here, and when they got out of the boat, okay, the Lord saved him. How do you think they got back to the boat? I mean, here's Peter. This is the boat. Start, he starts walking. He looks at the wind. He starts sinking. Lord, save me. And the Lord holds him. How did he get into the boat? Can you imagine the Lord? Come on, Peter. Come on. Come on. <laughs> and certainly the Lord didn't take Peter and put him caveman style. Okay, Peter. Let's go to the boat. Now, the Lord didn't drag him. Okay, the Lord didn't carry him caveman style. All right, somehow he got him out. Doesn't really say, but they got on the boat. So he must have walked hand in hand with the Lord Jesus Christ. You understand what I'm saying? Don't be afraid to trust God because his mercy is there to catch you. Okay, he's more liable to catch those who would dare to believe rather than those who would rather do nothing because they would rather be safe. Okay? And it says here, when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. See, one of the things that happens also when you begin to walk in faith and you begin to do the difficult, the impossible, is that your life begins to become a testimony of what God is able to do in the life of an ordinary person. So, what do we take out of this? Believe God. Develop a relationship with Him. Pray. Get as much of the Word of God in you and try and, and act on them as much as possible. Don't be afraid to dare 
Dare to believe God. The mercy of God is there to catch you. Don't be afraid of you. You understand, in the beginning, it's like riding a bicycle. You keep falling down. But eventually, you get used to that. So dare to believe God. No matter how bad the situation gets, dare to keep on believing the Lord our God. Become like an eagle. Instead of allowing the contrary winds to push you down, you allow the contrary winds to work for you instead of against you. What Satan sends to destroy you, it, he, he gets frustrated when you use these negative circumstances instead to bring you higher and closer to God. Amen. Amen. If you learned something today, it's always good.